Well, I'm going to again welcome you here. I want to welcome all of you that are over in the venue. And uh, man, this has just been an incredible weekend here at Big Valley Grace. Not only have there been a lot of people that have been baptized, but man, in all of our gatherings, people have given their life to, to Christ. Uh, it's just been, been really amazing what, what, what's happened here. And I know that it's um, God's at work, and I know many of you pray. You pray for your church, and you pray that the Holy Spirit would work in the lives of the people that come, and God's answering your, your prayers. And it's my prayer that somehow the Holy Spirit teaches each one of you. I'm going to do my best to unfold some things, and, and then I'm going to trust that the Lord, um, through His Holy Spirit, will, will, will teach each of you. We're in a series here, if you're visiting with us, called Knowing God, where we're looking at some of the great attributes of God, and it's really a, a series that that's about getting to know God, who He really is. One of the things that's, um, you know, a bummer is that Hollywood, whenever you watch a movie, they always portray God a particular way. You know, we all have family members who portray God a particular way. Uh, songs uh, will portray God a particular way. Um, we have churches out there, denominations that have a bent on who God is and what he looks like. And this is a series where we're just simply looking at the word of God and we're getting to know him, who he really is. And so far we've looked at the fact that God is all-knowing, God is everywhere, God is all-powerful, God is unchanging. And then last week Pastor Rick Thompson looked at the fact that God is holy. In fact, I want you to pull out that card inside your program each week of the series, we've printed a card like, like that, and I simply take the card, punch a hole in it, and I've put a little ring on mine, and I've got all of the attributes that we've looked at, all these great doctrinal truths, these theological truths, and we give them to you as a, a reminder to you of these truths, and you can take them home and look at them and see them. Uh, you can use them as a teaching tool. You can teach them to your kids, your grandkids, uh, teach them to your parents or your grandpa, these are tools that you can use maybe to teach some of your friends some of the truths about God, and hopefully you're taking advantage of them. We know that many of you are. Now, today we're going to look at the theological truth or the fact that God is in control. He's sovereign. The word sovereign simply means that God is the, the supreme ruler over everything. He, he controls everything, which includes your life. Or we're going to talk about more about that more in a minute, but he's also in control of all of your problems, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. The verse I read during the offering was 1 Corinthians or 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and it says, you are great, you are powerful, you're glorious, splendid, and majestic. Everything in heaven and earth is yours, and you are king, supreme ruler over everything. How many of you remember that old song that goes like this? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got the little itty babies in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hands. Now, some of you young folks are going, really? That was a song? Yeah. And I'm telling you, I could see like a rap artist taking that, can't you? He's got the little bitty babies in his hand. I'm telling you, that's got, that's got potential. If someone could take it, work with it, Jeff Cleek, maybe me and you could go to the studio and come up with a whole rap album. 
Anyway, I was listening to that song this week, and I thought, you know what, man, that song is theologically accurate. He, he's in control of everything. Psalms 103 says the Lord has set, sits in his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over everything. Nothing can stop God, nothing. No person can stop God. Satan can't stop God. The demons can't stop God. The government can't stop God. Beloved, God is sovereign. He rules over everything. He controls everything. God controls when a person is born. He controlled when you were born. God controls where a person's born. He controlled where you were going to be born. God controls where a person's going to live. God controls how many days a person will live. God controls the, the gifts and talents and abilities a person will have. God even controls your thoughts. Beloved, all throughout the scripture, we see the sovereignty of God. In, in Genesis chapter 29, it says, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he, because he's sovereign and in control, opened up her womb. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're told that the Lord kept a gal by the name of Hannah from having a baby. In other words, he kept her womb closed. God is sovereign over the womb. Ladies, God is sovereign over your womb. He determines when you'll have a baby and if you'll have a baby because he's sovereign. Acts chapter 17 says God began by making one person, and from him came all the different people who live everywhere in the world. God decided exactly when and where they must live. God is sovereign over your address. He's in control. Job chapter 14 says, you have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live, and we're not given a, a minute longer. God decides how long your heart is going to keep beating. He's sovereign. You woke up this morning, for whatever reason, God decided to keep you alive another day. But he will decide when your heart will stop beating. Because he's sovereign. 1 Peter chapter 4 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. God's sovereign over the spiritual gifts that we have. He decides who gets what gifts. He's sovereign over the natural abilities that some of you have. He's sovereign over the talents that have been given to you. Proverbs chapter 21 says, the Lord can control a king's mind as he controls a river. He can direct it as he pleases. Beloved, he's sovereign over your thoughts. Psalms 33 says the Lord frustrates the plans of nations and thwarts all of their schemes, but the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. Beloved, God is sovereign. He's in control of everything. Colossians chapter 1 says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme Sovereign over all of creation. I love what A.W. Uh, Tozer said. He said this, quote, God is absolutely free. No one can compel him. No one can hinder him. Nobody can stop him. God has the freedom to do as he pleases. Always, everywhere, 
and forever. Now, some of you want to know if I believe if we as human beings have a free will. I mean, if God is sovereign, he controls everything, do we as human beings have a free will? And the answer is yes. I believe the scriptures clearly teach that man has a free will. But the scriptures also teach that God is absolutely sovereign. Yes, God's sovereign. He controls it all. And yes, we as human beings have a free will. Now I know what's running through your minds. How can that be? How can God be absolutely sovereign in control of it all, and yet we as human beings have a free will? Beloved, this message isn't about trying to resolve that age-old question. I'm not going to solve that dilemma in this 45-minute message, okay? There are denominations out there that believe and they teach that God is sovereign. In fact, they won't even go out and evangelize anybody because God's sovereign. He's going to save whoever he wants to save, so why do I even need to go out and tell people about Jesus? I mean, he's absolutely sovereign, right? He's in control. And then you got churches and denominations that are in this camp. I mean, you've got seminaries that all they teach is this. And then you've got seminaries that teach this. And if you think you're going to come to a 45-minute message and I'm going to resolve the conflict, I'm not going to. It's impossible for me to do that. Here's the deal. I believe that the Bible clearly teaches that God is sovereign, that he's in absolute control. I just read a number of passages. But I also believe, like Romans chapter 10 says, hey, listen, anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord is going to be saved. And how can they call upon the name of the Lord if someone doesn't go tell them about the Lord? So obviously man has a responsibility. But God is absolutely sovereign. Look, (laughs) this is one of those moments where Isaiah 55 comes in handy. Where God says, listen, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. My ways aren't your ways, declares the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts than your thoughts and my ways than your ways. Look at, I can't wrap my mind around these two doctrines. How can God be absolutely sovereign and yet how can we have a free will? If you've come to a place where you want me to take the mystery out of God, I can't do that here. I'm okay with these two great doctrines being taught in Scripture. I can't figure it out. I just know it makes perfect sense to him. Some people will not join this church because I won't get in this box or I won't get in this box because people feel comfortable when they can get handles on God. Okay, got them all figured out. Oh, I got them all figured. What? How can that be, Pastor Rick? I don't know. But I'm okay with both of them because they're both taught. And somehow it makes sense to God. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, there are some things the Lord our God has kept secret. There are some things God doesn't let us in on. There are some things about him we'll never know. What kind of God would he be if we could understand everything there was to know about him? I can't even figure out my wife. How could I possibly put handles on God Almighty? But there are people who can't live that way. And so they find churches where, okay, okay, we believe this. We believe this. 
You're at a church where I believe this and I believe this, and I don't know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I know God's sovereign, and I know man has a free will. My goal today isn't to resolve this age-old question because there have literally been volumes of books that have been written on this on both sides. My goal is to simply take this great doctrinal truth that God is sovereign and show how it plays itself out in our, in our everyday lives, okay? And that, that, that's what I hope to accomplish with this. So number one, since God is in control of everything, and that's clearly taught, he is sovereign, no doubt about that, God is in control of your life. He's in control of your life. Jeremiah chapter one says, before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. See, he could do that because he's sovereign. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. He's in control, he's sovereign, obviously. I appointed you, Jeremiah, as a prophet to the nations. God says, before I made you, I chose you. In other words, God is saying, before I even began to create the person who would later become known as Jeremiah, I knew him. And I chose him. So in God's mind, before Jeremiah was even conceived, he already had a plan laid out for his life. And the same thing is true about you. Before you were ever a twinkle in your parents' eyes, God knew you. And he had a plan for your life because he's sovereign. For some of you, he, he appointed you to be doctors or construction workers or salespeople, mechanics, pastors, missionaries, politicians, athletes. I don't know what it is. For Jeremiah, it was he was going to be a prophet to the nations. That may not be what he appointed you to do, but he has appointed you to do something. He's absolutely sovereign. He's in control of everything, which means he's in control of your life. And I want you to know, this just gives me incredible peace, incredible hope, incredible joy to know that God knows about me, the God of the universe, six billion people on planet Earth, and God knows about me. He has a plan for my life. Yeah. You see, I grew up, you know, being taught that I was just a happenstance of nature. Two molecules, I don't know, got together a billion years ago, and boom, there's a big bang or something. I, and I just evolved from some slime or whatever it was, and eventually I'm just educated goo. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm an animal. I've just evolved from an animal. And which, by the way, that's why I acted like an animal at times. Because that's what I was taught. No one told me that, oh, no, you are a uniquely created being. You're made in the very image of God Almighty. That's what gives your life sanctity. That before your parents ever thought of you, God did. And not only did he think about you, but because he's in control, he gave you a plan for your life. No one ever told me that. Now, in our school, we tell our kids that. We tell our kids that God is sovereign and that he controls everything, which means he's in control of your very life. 
The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned long ago for us to do. And there's that, there's that thought that before you were ever born, before you were ever thought of, God knew who you were. And when you were inside your mother's womb, he put you together just the way he wanted you to be so that you could accomplish exactly what it is that God had for your life. And you know what that means? That means there's no such thing as an unwanted pregnancy. God opens the womb. God closes the womb. Your parents may not have wanted you, but God did. Some of you, you know, your, your parents dumped you off somewhere. You don't even know who your parents are. They didn't want you. And it's, it's, it's a bummer. And, and your life, man, your feelings and all that have gotten into it. And you just, man, life's been crummy because you had a parent who didn't want you. Look, you're hearing an incredible truth. Your parents may not have wanted you, but God did. The creator of the universe thought about you because he's sovereign. And yes, your parents may have dropped you off somewhere, whatever. Thank the Lord they didn't suck you into a sink. You're alive. You're here. Rejoice in the fact that your parents kept you alive and you're able to fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. Amen. I know that might sound harsh to some of you. But that's a, a reality of the word of God. It's a reality of the sovereignness of God, that God is in control, which means he controls your life. Max Lucado said this, you weren't an accident, you weren't mass produced, you weren't an assembly line product, you were deliberately planned, specifically gifted and lovingly positioned on this earth by the master craftsman. And that all happens because God is sovereign. And let me come at this from a, um, a different angle. Listen to what Isaiah said in chapter 46. He said, I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it ever happens. Everything I plan will come to pass for I do whatever I wish. He's sovereign. Okay? Beloved, since God is in control of your life, your plans have a limit. They're tentative at best. We've all heard that saying, the sky's the limit, right? Well, that's not true. The sky isn't the limit. God is the limit. God determines what the limit is. Because only his plans will come to pass. Proverbs chapter 16 says, we make our plans, but the Lord has the last word. There's an old saying out there that goes like this, man plans and then God laughs. I think they may have gotten it from there. God has the last word. God has the last word. How many of you have planned to do something or start something or whatever and, and, and maybe you put a lot of planning into it but for whatever reason it didn't happen? All of us, right? I mean... I couldn't tell you how many girls I planned on marrying, right? Can, we, can I get an amen, guys? You're in high school or whatever, college, and I'm marrying this one. I, 
You didn't marry the girl you thought you were going to marry. A lot of us, we're not even in the career field that we thought we were going to you know, be in or plan to be in. I, I thought I was going to be in the jewelry business my whole life. That was my plan. God has the last word though, right? Let me get a little personal. I never wanted to have a blended family. In fact, I vowed that I'd never have a blended family. And the reason why I vowed never to have a blended family is I, I knew what it did to me. I didn't like it. My parents divorced and remarried, and you got all these half-brothers and sisters, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't fun for me. So I vowed, I'm never going to have a blended family. That was my plan. And it's a good plan, isn't it? Really. That's a holy plan. That's a godly plan. God gave me a brain to think, and I had that vow. I'm not going to have a blended family. I'm not going to put my kids through that. But God has the last word. 1977, my first wife was killed in an automobile accident, and I had a five-year-old at the time. Then I remarried, and now I have two children with her. So I now have a blended family. Not a bad plan, Rick. Good plan, Rick. But God says, I have the last word. Rick, you're not sovereign. You're not in control of everything. But I am, God says. Proverbs chapter 19 says people can make all kinds of plans, but only the Lord's plans will happen. Now James, our, our brother James, gives us some really great thoughts as it relates to this. He says in James chapter 4, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that city, we'll spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this or that. Rick, if the Lord wills, you won't have a blended family. Because he's the one who has the last word. There's nothing wrong with planning or dreaming Goal setting. God gave us a brain. He wants to do that. But you need to preface all your planning and all your goal setting and all your dreaming with if the Lord wills. You see, you don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now, let alone an hour from now or a year from now or 10 years from now, but God does because He's holy, He's all powerful, He's unchanging, He's all knowing, and He's everywhere, you see. We're not. So when you think about the sovereignty of God and the fact that God is in control of your life, nothing wrong with planning, dreaming, goal setting, all those things. But you need to preface it with the thought that if the Lord wills. Some of you have businesses and you ought to plan. You know, man, I, I'm, I'm setting a goal. I'd like to do X amount of more business next year. Some of you are attorneys and you know what? You're thinking I'd, I'd like to win two more cases next year than I won this past year. Nothing wrong with that. Some of you are, are coaches and, and athletes. Nothing wrong with saying, I'd like to you know, win X amount of games next year. Nothing wrong with that. God wants us to do those kinds of things. But you always need to make sure that you include him in the planning process because 
um, he's got the last word. And so you spend time saying, God, I, I'd like for this to happen. I'd like for this to happen. God, I'm asking you, could this happen? If it's your will, help me to know, know what your will is. And then you've got to hold on to things lightly. Because if you hold on to them like this, it's a bummer when they don't happen, huh? So you just say, God, here's my plans. Here's my goals. Here's my dreams. And, and so, God, if it's your will, I'd like for this to happen. He's sovereign. He, he, he's, in, he's in control. Proverbs 16 says many uh, or people may make plans in their minds, but the Lord decides what they're going to do. Include him in on all the things that go on in your life. Number two, since God is in control of everything, since he's sovereign, and this is the one I really wanted to spend some time on, you need to know that God's in control of your problems, the troubles, the sorrows of life. In John chapter 16, Jesus makes the weirdest, craziest promise ever. And that was, he said, hey, listen, this side of heaven, this side of glory, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have problems. You're going to have sorrows. Uh, uh, problems are the standard equipment of life. They, they, they just come. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what college you went to. It doesn't matter whether you're a guy or a gal. It doesn't even matter whether you're a believer or not. God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. Troubles, problems are the standard equipment of life, Jesus says. Everybody has them. Nobody's exempt from them. And it's important that you know that God is sovereign over all of them. Now, one of the questions that I know some of you have. It's this. Why? Why do we experience pain or sorrow or, or problems? This is the, the question of evil. You know, why do bad things happen to, to good people? Well, I want you to know that the Bible has answers. You may not like the answer, but those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, we have an answer to that question. Why we suffer why there are problems and all of that. Let me give you a few reasons. Number one, you have problems because of sin. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden and ate the forbidden fruit, whatever it was, it brought sin into the world. And sin brought with it all kinds of problems. Pollution, chaos, famine, cancer, disease, rape, thievery, drug addiction, tornadoes, earthquakes, hurricanes, and all the other cruddy things you can think of. Sin brought with it all kinds of problems, the greatest of which was death. The reason we die is because of sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, the payment for sin is death. But let me tell you something. Physical death is one thing. You're going to die physically. But what's way more weighty than the fact that sin brought physical death is the fact that sin brought spiritual death. The moment Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, it broke the relationship that we have with the Father. We died spiritually. And that is something that's been handed down since Adam and Eve to our great-great-great-grandpa and our great-great-grandpa, our grandpa. Of dad. And it's just, you passed it on to your kids, I passed it on to my kids, and that is a sinful nature. 
The reason why we experience problems, number one, is because of sin. It's, it's just caused all kinds of crummy things. Number two, you have problems because of yours and others' bad choices. And once again, these two kind of go with the whole idea of the free will that we have. Galatians chapter 6 says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man or a woman or a person reaps what they sow. And this makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, a lot of the problems you face in life, you're brought on yourself by the choices that you made. You reaped what you sowed. You see, God is sovereign. Now listen to this. You might want to write this down. God is sovereign, and in his sovereignty, he made the choice, because he controls everything, to give you a free will. Can we say it again? That's worth writing down. God is sovereign, and in his sovereignty, he made the choice, because he controls everything, to give you a free will. And so God allows you to make choices within limits that he controls. And the choices you make can bring with them all kinds of problems. Give you an example, a real practical one that all of us in this room have faced at one time or another. You got that little plastic thing in your pocket, and you go to the mall, and you go to Macy's, and you go to Forever 21, and you go to the jewelry store, and you just keep using that thing, and you're making the choice to use it, and you're using it, and then you refinanced your house, and took the money, and bought a ski-doo, and you bought all the stuff, and now all of a sudden the bill collectors show up at your front door, right? And that causes tension between you and your husband because he spends too much money or his things are too expensive and you spend too much money, ladies, but yours aren't as expensive. And there's tension, (laughs) problems, and there's the innocent bystander. And who are they? Your children who have to live in it. They didn't do anything. But they now have to experience the problems. They're reaping what their parents have sowed. You see, sometimes we suffer because of sin, and sometimes we suffer because of the choices that we make. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 says, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner can destroy much good. I was with a family not long ago, and one guy made a decision to go out and have an affair. One guy, one sinner. Wow, did that mess up a family. The pain and the sorrow. One man can destroy much good. And isn't that the truth? One woman, one sinner can mess up a lot of things. Go all the way back to Adam. One guy messed up a lot of things, huh? You see, one of the reasons why we experience problems and troubles and sorrows is just the bad choices that we as human beings make at times. Uh, number three, you have problems because of Satan, the demons. The Bible says in 1 Peter, be self-controlled and alert your enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to de- devour. Beloved, the devil causes all kinds of problems. He, he causes disease, he causes death, he causes distress, he causes suffering. All these are a, a part of his arsenal of tools. Now listen, because God is sovereign, because he's in control, Satan and the demons can't do anything unless God gives him permission to do them. And I wish I had time to walk us through the book of Job. We see that clearly. 
that the demons and Satan couldn't do anything to Job unless the sovereign God, who's in control of everything, gave him permission to do it within limits, you see. Number four, you have problems because you're a follower of Christ. Peter says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trials you're suffering as though some strange thing were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Yeah, sometimes we suffer because of just sin. Sometimes we suffer because of the choices that you or others might make that impact our lives. Sometimes we suffer because of the demons and Satan, but sometimes we suffer just because we're followers of Christ. There's pain, there's troubles. And you decide that you're going to follow the Lord. Now, whether your problems are because of sin or the bad choices you or others make or Satan and the demons or simply because you're a follower of Christ or whatever, I want you to remember a few things, okay? I want you to remember these things. Number one, I want you to remember that the problems you face are only temporary. This is important. Whatever it is you're facing right now, and I know some of you in this room are facing some incredible stuff. I know some of you over in the venue are facing some incredible things right now. But the Bible clearly teaches that whatever, the, whatever it is you're facing, it could be foreclosure on your home. It could be a bankruptcy. Maybe the problems are they, they, they found a lump where there's not supposed to be a lump. It's a health issue. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the problems are you're facing, okay? I do know this. The Bible clearly teaches that whatever it is, it's only temporary. You see, there's coming a moment when we're going to leave this planet. This ends. And we're going to spend our, our, our eternity with the, the Lord. In other words, there, there's a finish line. It's called glorification. If there wasn't a time when it was finished, when this life ended, I wouldn't be here right now. If this, just, if this life just kept going and kept going and kept going the way it is, I wouldn't do this. I'd go out and, you know, I don't know if it'd be beer, I don't know what it'd be, but whatever I'd have to do to numb the pain of life, I'd do. If this was it, but this isn't it. Whatever it is you're facing, whatever those problems are, it's only temporary because there comes a moment when you cross the finish line. It's like a guy running the 100-yard dash. Imagine a race, you know, and the gun goes off, and the guy's running, but there's no finish line. <laughs> It'd be a drag. There's a finish line, beloved. Whatever it is you're facing, at some moment, you cross the line, and it's over. So whatever it is you're facing, it's only temporary. Number two, remember, Jesus is coming back someday. Jesus said in John chapter 14, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me. That's a promise from God. God says, I'm coming back someday. Jesus says, I'm coming back someday. And it's a promise. He's coming back. I know what some of you are thinking. There's always the scoffers out there that go, oh, it was 2,000 years ago. Where is he? 
See, here's your problem. You're thinking in human terms. You see, you're all wearing a watch. It says Bulova or Seiko or Timex or whatever it says on it. God doesn't wear your watch. Time doesn't mean anything to him. And so, yeah, for you, it seems like it's been 2,000 years. I get it. But to God, time doesn't mean anything. But he promised he's coming back. And when you're in the midst of the troubles of life, uh, the problems of life, I want you to remember, yes, they're only temporary, and Jesus Christ is coming back someday. Look, at, I'm glad he didn't come back in 1979, because if he would have came back in 1979, I'm lost. I'm doomed for hell. Because I don't give my life to Christ until 1980. So I'm thankful that God didn't come back. Some of you are sitting here, and, and I don't know how you ended up here. It doesn't matter to me how you think you ended up here. God brought you here because he wanted you to know something. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. And you ought to be thankful that he hasn't come back. Because if he did come back, you would be doomed. You would be lost. And maybe God has been patient and not come back just for you today. That today you might give your life to him. Look, I don't know what you're going through. I just know whatever it is, it's temporary. And I want you to remember that Jesus is coming back. He promised. Number three, I want you to remember heaven's going to be a perfect place. A place where there's no pain or sorrow or problems. A place that's way more exciting than, than this place. Look, when troubles come, I know they can, they can grip you and get you all goofed up. Hey, they're temporary. Jesus is coming back. And when we finally get to heaven, wow. The Bible says there's not going to be any more pain. There won't be any more sorrow. No more tears. No more rape. No more thievery. No more cancer. No more dying. Heaven's going to be an incredible place. And I want you to remember that. Whatever it is you think is the most incredible place on this planet today doesn't even compare to what heaven will be like. Because everything here on planet Earth has been tainted with sin. Everything, every place, every rock, every beautiful flower, everything has been tainted with sin. And heaven will be a place where there isn't any more sin. None. None. I was with a couple, a couple weeks ago, and they're getting married. And they're a young couple and they're virgins and they've, they've lived their lives according to the scriptures and that's always a beautiful thing when two people live their life according to what God's word says and so they've kept themselves pure for each other and they're getting married and, and we were talking and they weren't even listening to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking this is a waste of an hour and they're just looking at each other, you know, you know oh man, I'm just thinking, dude, dude. Yeah, okay, time to go, bye. So he's leaving, and then he says, hey, Rick, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. He goes, hey, look, and they're a very godly young couple. <laughs> he says, hey, I know that we are all waiting for Jesus Christ to come back, and we pray for that, and we pray for that as a staff all the time. Jesus is coming back. We want him to come back. That's our blessed hope. Someday he's coming. We're going to go to heaven and spend our eternity in heaven, and we're all wanting that to happen. <laughs> he says, Rick, I was wondering, is it bad or evil or sinful for me to hope that God doesn't come back until after the honeymoon? <laughs> I, 
I got you. I know what you're thinking there, big fella. <laughs> and man, that's a cool thing. And you know what, I'll tell you what. He's excited about being able to make love to the woman that he saved himself for. It's a beautiful moment. It's an exciting moment. And I know exactly what he was thinking. But listen, no matter what you think, there's nothing like heaven. And when you're in the midst of troubles and problems and trials, look, you remember it's only temporary. You remember Jesus coming back. And you remember, man, heaven's going to be like no other place. Uh, Number four, I want you to remember that the Holy Spirit is praying for you when you go through problems. And this one's really special. There are times when the problems of life, the troubles of life will be such that, you know what, you don't even know how to pray. I remember when my mom was, was, was passing away and it was a, took a few days. I literally was crying so hard, wailing so hard that my stomach hurt for a few days. I mean, I was just, just the, the wailing, the crying. I just, I, oh. it's just like, and then when she finally did pass away, it was just like, oh, my stomach. I, I'm not kidding, my stomach muscles were hurting. I, I would wail and I couldn't pray. The pain was so deep. The, the problems were so, I just, it just brought back memories. Ah, man, I couldn't pray. But the good news is, is that the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, at those moments, the third person of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit who indwells us, kicks in. And you may not be able to pray, Rick, but the Holy Spirit begins to pray for us. And the Holy Spirit knows the perfect will of God, right? And so that prayer is a perfect prayer. It begins to pray in ways we don't even understand. Look, when you're in pain, you're in troubles, you're, you're, you're in those moments, look at, hey, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. You can call the church and we can pray for you. You can go into the altar room and we can pray for you. And that's a good thing. Call your buddies. Let them pray for you. Call your small group. Let them pray for you. Those are all wins. But you just understand that when those troubles are so deep that God's Holy Spirit begins to pray. Intercedes in ways that we don't even understand. And then number five, I'll wrap it up with this. Remember, God uses all the problems in your life, the pain, the troubles, the suffering, to transform you into the very image of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, and we know that God causes everything Everything. And that's the problems of life, too. Because God is sovereign, because He's in control, He can take all of your problems, all of your, the troubles, the sorrows of life, and He uses them to mold you into the man that He wants you to be. He uses them to mold you into the woman that He wants you to be. He uses them to mold you into the, the husband or the wife or the grandpa or the grandma that He wants you to be. He uses them to mold you into the future wife or the future husband that he wants you to be. You see, God wants us to become like his son. We'll never become his son, but he wants us to live our lives like Jesus lived. He wants us to be like Christ. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. 
And the thing that I think God uses more than anything else to get us there are the bummers of life, the problems of life. So yes, they're temporary, and you remember that. Yes, you remember that Jesus Christ is coming back someday. Yeah, I want you to remember that that heaven's going to be an incredible place, and that's where we're going to spend our eternity. I want you to remember those, those things. I want you to remember that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. But while you're here on planet Earth, the sovereign God of the universe is using all of the troubles in your life to help mold you and shape you into the very image of of his son. That's what he's doing. And if I was God, I'd do it differently, and so would you probably. But it's during the troubles where he's molding you and shaping you and chipping away that you would look more and more like his son, that you would act more and more like his son, that you would talk more and more like his son, that you would react more and more like his son. And it's the problems of of life that he uses. Now I want everybody to stand up, okay? And I'd like for us to say these uh, five things together out loud. These five things I want you to remember. The sovereign God of the universe in control of your life. And he's going to use these these troubles in your life to to do some things. And, And I want you just to say these. Number one, I want you, here we go, out loud. Number one, remember the problems I face are... He didn't say that with great conviction. Mm-hmm. I know you may not feel that way, but these, these are truths. Let's say, start again. Here we go. Number one, remember the problems I face are only temporary. Number two, remember Jesus is coming back someday. Amen. Number three, remember heaven's going to be a place where there's no pain or sorrow or problems. Beautiful. Number three, four, remember the Holy Spirit is praying for me when I go through problems. And number five, I want to hear you over in the venue. Here we go. Number five, remember God uses problems in my life to transform me into the very image of his son, Jesus. Now look, sovereign God in control of it all. Problems are going to come. You remember those five things. 